Friday, November 24th, and this hour of Flames Talk with Pat and Wes Gilbertson of Post Media is now underway. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit CalgaryLockAndSafe.com. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mr. Gilbertson, how are we doing? Good, buddy. How are you? Doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, Flames continue this four-game road trip Friday in Dallas, then Saturday into Colorado. That's about as difficult a back-to-back as uh, you're going to get, at least in the Western Conference. So, uh, tough one for the Flames starting on Friday. And um, because they're in Dallas to start, my... uh, my twisted brain has been thinking again. Let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. And my twisted brain has been thinking about how the Dallas Stars seem like a really good natural trade partner for the Calgary Flames, especially when we talk about their unsigned, unrestricted free agents. And, uh, that's that. That would be my uh, that would be my kind of motherhood statement. That yeah, I think the Stars and Flames would be really good trade partners. And then you go a little bit further. You take a look at where Dallas is. They're fighting for top spot in the conference, top spot in the division. They're coming off a game six appearance in the Western Conference Final last year, losing to the eventual Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights. They feel like they're on the verge of being a full-on cup contender with a core that starts with Jake Ottinger and Miro Haskin and includes Jason Robertson and Rope Hintz. They've got good veterans who have been deep before from Sagan to Pavelski, Ben Suter. So they've got a good group of veterans, and you just you get the feeling that GM Jim Nill, who's been there a long time and maybe now sees his team closer than they ever have been in his tenure as being a true cup contender. It just, it makes perfect sense that they would go out and make a big addition or two between now and March 8th. And Wes, you don't have to squint. At least I don't think you have to squint in the slightest to see how any one of Lindholm, Hannafin, Tanev, or Zadorov could be a good fit on the Dallas Stars. So I don't know, just all those things combined Leads me to believe they'd be really good trade partners, plus the potential assets or or things you could get back from them in return. Yeah, I, I'm especially fascinated by what sort of fit there might be for one of those defensemen there. And, and I really like the the blue line core, the blue line group that Dallas has, but there's a lot of younger players on that, right? And they've got Miro Heiskanen working like 26, Five twenty-six minutes a night, and and then it's pretty well spread out after that. But you know, as as you get through the season, what are you seeing from a young guy like Thomas Harley? What are you seeing from a young guy like Nils Lundqvist? And on top of that, can you really help bolster one of those young guys with someone like Chris Tanev? Right, that, that's what I wonder about with this Dallas team. Now, the the other question I have with Dallas is 
how Jim Nil and I was thinking about this because we talked about uh, Logan Stankoven. Stankoven? How do you? Stankoven? Stankoven? Stankoven, I think. Yeah. Um, so we chatted about him on Flames Talk yesterday, and we had someone text in and say, oh, Dallas thinks so highly of him. Good luck getting him out of there. And that kind of got me thinking as I was driving away yesterday, what is Dallas's window? Because that young core is so impressive. When you talk about Jason Robertson and Miro Heiskanen and Wyatt Johnston and, and obviously Jake Ottinger and Nett, I wonder, and maybe this gets answered by where they are in February or March, I, I wonder if Jim Nill takes the big swing this year or if he sees those young guys as just further opening up the window and chooses to kind of stand pat a little bit. The only reason I think now is the time to take a big big swing is because you've still got Jamie Ben now who is an impact maker, obviously not the impact maker that he once was. I don't know how much longer we can actually expect 39-year-old Joe Pavelski to be the guy that he is. Again, Pavelski point per game, yeah. 39 years old. So how at what point is Joe Pavelski no longer a point-per-game player? So I feel like, yes, you've got this young core that there's a and little bit of a window for, but you also might want to maximize what left you've got in your really key veterans. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're right. Jamie Benn hasn't had seven points at the Saddle Dome for several years now, so he's he's sort of <laughs> on, on the downturn. But he's at 13 points in 18 games. Sagan's got 14 and 18. Yeah. At, at some point, these guys are not going to be as good. And I, and, and I think that we've already seen Sagan and, and Ben take steps back. Somehow Pavelski's gone the other way, but. And remind me, did they just do a one-year deal with Duchesne? Yes. Okay. I believe it was a one-year deal on Matt Duchesne. So whether that gets more costly or, or he looks elsewhere or whatever. Yeah. You, you've definitely got a team that is right in the mix in the West. You know, I, I still think the West runs through... Can you believe, like, Matt Duchesne's 32? You're like, jeez. Yeah, we're old, buddy. I know. I I still think the West runs through either the Vegas Golden Knights or the Colorado Avalanche. And if the Dallas Stars are going to knock off those two teams, certainly uh, a big addition and one I think that makes most sense on the blue line. Yeah, there there's a fit here. Absolutely there is. Well, and I mean... I take a look. So for any one of them, because I, I also think, I also really think Lindholm would be a very interesting fit there. Yeah. Um, because at some point, you know, they're probably going to need to find somebody to slot in longer term as the number two center behind Hints. Yeah, you're right. And and the only reason I I sort of cringed a little when you mentioned Lindholm is I really see whoever acquires Elias Lindholm doing it with an extension as part of the package. I, I think that's how the Flames maximize return. I think Elias... And I think he could extend in Dallas. I, and I didn't, but you you have me convinced now. I think you're probably right. Because Duchesne is on a one-year deal. Yeah. Maybe he does price himself out of what they're looking at, and they say, well, you know, Lindholm, as our 2C behind hints, that's uh, that's not a bad that's not a bad situation either. And Man, how responsible is that one-two punch at center? No kidding. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be. But you're right about defense because you know you've got you've got Ryan Suter who's a little older. You don't know how many years he's got left, and 
yeah, you know, they've got Lund- Lundquist and Harley who are um, playing some big minutes back there. Um, they are missing. Um, they're not missing anybody. Sorry, they've got Lindell and Haskin, and are kind of the two young players, and then that uh, they're kind of the guys who anchor this thing going forward. But I like their blue line, but you'd make a, you'd make a much better case if you're talking about one of those guys that we just talked about, or someone of the sort to to really solidify that top six. And so, yeah, I think you can see a fit for any one of those guys. And then you we talked about Stankoven yesterday, but Maverick Bork. Uh, they've got a defenseman they took at the 2022 draft, Leon Bischel. Um, those, those are two of the names that um, you could point to as potential prospects or guys who'd maybe be knocking on the NHL door right now. I even look at a couple guys on the roster, like Thomas Harley's 22. Um, if they were to go out and get a Hannafin or a Tanev or something like that, you could probably see Harley pushed out of the top six. He's 22. Ty Delandria is on their fourth line. He's 23. So there's just, and they've got their first round picks in each of the next three years. So there's a lot there with the stars that you could point to and say, yeah, the, um, they, they'd be really good trade partners for the Calgary Flames. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. And I, I think the sort of ideal guy that I would be thinking if I was Jim Nill is, uh, Chris Tanev, like I think just with the youth on that blue line and even Heiskanen is an absolute horse. Don't get me wrong, but even he's fairly young, right? When you talk about Hawk and Power, you talk especially about Thomas Harley. There's so much youth there, but yeah, you have me intrigued about Lindholm. I think this is a great position for the Flames because the, the sort of players that they're trading, I think there's going to be fairly high demand for at least three of them. I really do. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that the demand for Noah Hannafin is going to be quite... And don't get me wrong. I, I think there's going to be suitors. I know there's going to be suitors for Noah Hannafin. I just don't know because of his contract range and how set a lot of the contenders are for top four that he's necessarily going to have as many teams after him. I think there's going to be a few kind of hot and heavy. But when you talk about... Tanev, especially when you talk about the sort of brawn that Nikita Zadorov can bring at a, at a lesser cap hit, I just think the lineup is going to be out the door. Yeah. I really do. One text comes in, and this is personally a, um, it's a narrative that I don't buy into. Why would you trade your guys into your conference so you can get smoked by them for the next seven years? No. So you're you're saying you're going to take away 15 trade partners because and and one of those 15 potentially gives you the best return. You're taking away 15 trade partners because you don't want to play them three times or four times a year. That 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 seems ludicrous to me. You want to you want to talk about Edmonton and not trading with the Oilers? Sure, let's have that conversation because, you know, I kind of... You're going to take away all 15 of the Western Conference teams because you don't want to play the guy that you're trading away for what you expect to be a great return three or four times a year. That's just one of the more frustrating narratives uh, I can remember. Well, and especially, I, I think the concern should almost be more on the other side, right? When you're trying to get... Let's use Thomas Harley as an example. Yep. And I... 
I'm not going to profess to know how highly Dallas thinks of him. Maybe he's a guy that they wouldn't consider moving, but he's the sort of most obvious to get bumped out of your top six if you bring in a defenseman. Well, if they're willing to move a Thomas Harley, they're looking at it thinking, geez, do we want to play against him for the next 12 years? Whatever it happens to be. And yep. so I, I think they should be as worried about that as the Flames should be. I, I just, I totally agree with you. This idea, and maybe there's one or two teams that you're a little hesitant to trade with, starting with the, the Edmonton Oilers. But if you're moving these guys, you're expecting to probably be a non-playoff team. Just take advantage of the arms race, wherever the arms race is, right? If it happens to be between Dallas and Vegas and Colorado, and you have a chance to capitalize on that, absolutely yep. do. It doesn't make any sense. So let's say Chris Tanev has 10 teams after him, right? And, and that's a ton of teams. Well, if you knock the West out, maybe it becomes four or five teams. Why would you do that? That's why I always... Edmonton... Yeah, I get that. That would be that's the one that I'm like, yeah, I guess because you don't really want to, especially this season, you don't want to help them in any way, shape, or form. Right. The rest, Dallas is looking to win a Stanley Cup, and you're looking to set yourself up in the long term. And I think Colorado or Vegas or like if these teams come calling, then you should be answering because. They probably are willing to give you significant returns. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you'd just be crazy to trim the field for no for no good reason. And I know some people think interdivision or interconference is a good reason. I just I don't. I no. Yeah. Do it. Um, so that is the conversation on the UFAs. This text comes in and says, uh, these are all UFAs. You trade them for lesser return to the East. They could still end up back in the West next year. Also a good point. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, smart. So, and I do think that especially on Hannafin and Lindholm's front, the fact that an extension, um, and I, I know Elliot Friedman wrote about this in his latest 32 Thoughts, which is up right now at sportsnet.ca. You know, the, the idea of, Teams giving permission to other teams, like a 24-48 hour window to negotiate a contract if a trade seems imminent. And if that can up your value, then I think we're on the same page in that, yeah, absolutely. You let them extend you you let them talk extension. There's gotta be a deal in place, and it's gotta be clear that you're gonna get more in the deal if you do that. But I think it makes sense in that case. Yeah. I agree with that. I just want to circle back because I'm just sitting here thinking about the don't trade them in the conference. I mean, you play the Dallas Stars three times a year, right? As Central Division team, if you're in the Pacific as the Calgary Flames are, you play them three times a year. If you trade them to Toronto, you play them twice. Yeah. So it's what one, gifts? One, it's a one. Really, what gifts? One game difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, well... At least my comment got some uh, good reactions. It's a good point. You, you did. You did. Uh, you did get a rise. Yeah. Us. Well. Well played. Hey, send it. Send in your takes. We'd love something to talk about. That is very true. Uh, that's our look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Let's go local Calgary from best from the West Canadian produce to quality only Alberta meats. Find your local at Calgary Co-op. Shop online or in store today. So it's Dallas, then Colorado, and. 
this has got to be one of the tougher back-to-back sets that you're going to get because Dallas to Denver is not, it's not Dallas to Houston. It's, it's not San Jose to LA. Like it's a, it's a bit of a hike from Dallas to Colorado and it's on the second uh, and it's a back-to-back right in the middle of four games in six nights. Like, Mm -hmm. Tough, well, a tough you, little back to like back. you say, Dallas to Colorado. I remain convinced that the Denver airport is in Nebraska, yeah, Omaha, Nebraska. So then Omaha you've got, yeah, a little further commute to begin with. So, somebody said, that's how I was talking about this with somebody on Thursday, just like, geez, that is a tough, that's a tough gauntlet for you guys, right? And yeah, and it's not like we're landing in Denver, it's a long way from Denver International. I think it takes about an hour to just leave Denver International with how big it is and then to get into downtown Denver. Right. And you know what, Pat? I I pride myself on being a glass half full guy. So Uh I want to give you the optimistic kind of add on, right? I always want to be the guy making you feel better. And so I would say the good news is eight o'clock puck drop in, in Denver. So just do the math in my head. You probably leave Colorado. Eh, 12 30 or one you might get home to your own bed at let's say 4 4 30 on sunday and then uh the next day you play the defending champs so that's positive that that seems um suboptimal i believe is the term that they use this is a really tough stretch yeah this is a, like the whole next few weeks is a gauntlet as you keep putting it but this three and four nights might be the toughest stretch of all. Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, and I don't know how many other back-to-backs are quite as difficult as this one. Like, yeah, this is not a, this is not a common one. No. Like Dallas to Colorado. Sure. Yeah. But in the middle of three and four and four and six, maybe not. Yeah. And Hey, Everybody's got tough schedules, and so I think the Flames like this year's schedule better than they like last year's schedule, but this is a difficult part of it. Um, Connor Zeri comes back in. That's good news. And and I don't know if you would have uh, if you would have told me in October that, geez, you know, late November, they're gonna not have Connor Zeri in the lineup for a game and they're gonna miss him. I don't know if uh I don't know if very many people would have believed you, but they missed him Wednesday in Nashville. Yeah. And his return, that's a important shot in the arm for the Flames as he comes back into the lineup. Yeah, it really is. It, it they missed him. Absolutely. It's tough to get a read on how much because the team was just so blank poor in Nashville, right? Like that I don't know how much was missing Connor's area, certainly some of it, and how much was that that was just a really rotten game. But that second line was noticeably less effective yep. without Connor's area. They, it was noticeable that they had the puck a whole lot less often. And, and I said it yesterday, you said it yesterday, like what a credit to Connor's area that nine games into his National Hockey League career, he's that missed when he's not out there. Yep. Yeah. It's it's not something I don't think anybody would have expected, but good on him. He's he's been good in his time in 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 the not just in the he he's been good in the lineup. He's made an impact on the ice, but it just feels like that extra energy that a little youth brings. It makes me wonder how important Jacob Pelche's return will be in right. January or whenever it is. Uh, still feels like last I checked in, still feels like we're 
long term. Like they're they're really being careful with this. They're the the feel is there is no reason to rush Pelche back. We want to make sure that when he gets back, his shoulder not only is a hundred percent in terms of not having risk of being injured again, but also is back to full strength and he's been He's been given lots of time, maybe even an American League stint to get himself back up to speed. So it felt like December was the earliest. And, yeah. and I think maybe more towards the new year and, and into January is more of a realistic timeline for Pelche right now. The last I heard was it's going to be 2024. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I still think we're probably six weeks plus yeah. from him being in the mix. Six to eight, I, it feels like somewhere more realistic for Pelche. But when he does return, it's something that when he was out of the lineup last year down the stretch and he was getting healthy scratched, I really felt they missed that energy and Absolutely. very similar to Zeri being out on Wednesday. And I'll be, I'll be curious what we get from Connor Zeri tonight, just because listen, we don't know what the lower body injury was, but it was clear that he was less effective than we've seen him in Seattle on Monday. Yep. And then he couldn't go on Wednesday in Nashville. So you just wonder how healthy he is, you know, how, whatever injury it was, how much is that night off going to help him? How much is that four day stretch going to make a difference? I, I'll, I'll really be keeping an eye on him. Cause that's it. It's not like he's missed a whole lot of time with whatever was ailing him, but they need him closer to what he's been in eight games leading into Seattle. Yep. Uh, text line now at 960-960. It's Steinberg and Wes along with you on this hour of Flames Talk. This says, great update on Pelts. I'll be calling in postgame to ask about his and Shillington's timeline. I don't believe there is a timeline on the latter. Um, Peltje, there's a little bit more of a feel as to when he could be back. Uh, Mike says, going back to our trade conversation, as long as it's not the Oilers, I'd trade anyone anywhere if it's the best deal available. Uh, this says Dallas would be a great trade partner. Are we forgetting that's where Iginla came from? Um, I'm not forgetting that. That uh, worked out pretty well. I don't know for if, both teams. Th- I don't know if Joe Newendike going to Dallas came back to haunt the Flames. Newendike went on to win another cup, yeah. and that helped his Hall of Fame career and. He turned himself into, as a member of the Dallas Stars, one of the greatest two-way centers we've ever seen. After being the high-scoring guy he was in Calgary, as he goes to Dallas, he still was a very important offense. He was incredible. One of the best two-way guys ever. And the Flames got Jerome Ginless. So these things can work out both ways. Yeah, you know what? It's such good perspective when you look at it that way, right? This was a, a trade that got made in conference. Both teams win. Newendike helps, as you said, the the Stars hoist the banner or hoist the cup. Aginla does what he does. I, I was even thinking as you were talking about it, the trade with San Jose for Mika Kiprasov. Well, that works out great for the Calgary Flames, obviously. And I, I'm sure San Jose did cringe at, at trading a goalie to... Would it have been division at that no, point? No, it would have been conference, So right? conference rival. But... That second round pick turns into Mark Edward Vlasic, yeah. who's played a gazillion games now in San Jose and still playing in San Jose. So that's another trade that you look back on and say, okay, well, that was, you know, to a, a conference rival, but worked out pretty good for both sides. Yeah, that was the days of the Northwest Division. Right. So San Jose was in the Pacific. 
and Calgary Edmonton, was in the Northwest. Edmonton, was Minnesota, yep. Colorado. Yep, Vancouver. Vancouver. Yep. And there was a stretch there where they played eight times. Oh, my God. You're like, sick, eight battles of Alberta. That's awesome. And Or eight games with Minnesota. And Kippersoff and Backstrom, to their credit, made those Calgary-Minnesota games so, so low event. Those games were so dull. Yep. And when there was a scoring chance, which wasn't very often, one of those goalies would make a great save. Yep. Those were Whew. not the uh, sexiest matchups. No, those were lean days. Uh, this says, it's not about how many times you play a team in a year. I think it's more about making the other team better, taking points away from Calgary and adding points to Dallas. But what about making yourself better? That You don't make a trade solely for the other team. There's a reason why you're making the trade. On, if you're not keeping a guy... Who cares where he goes? He has the choice to go wherever he wants a few months later. So if you can get a a, a boatload of assets back in return, my I, head hurts. I don't know who sent that text, but you've clearly upset Patrick. <laughs> uh, to me, you trade for the best return, regardless of who to, even if it's Edmonton. The return hopefully helps him for t- five to ten years and for 82 games a season. The guys you trade play you two to five times a year. Uh, there you go on the text line. Maybe at maybe Edmonton's trying to unload a slumping center. Yeah, you know what? I, mind you, I haven't seen the stat sheet, but it doesn't look like they're slumping today. No, they're doing much better on this um, on this Friday, Black Friday afternoon. It is um, five rip as we're talking right now. Uh, Kane, Nugent, Hopkins, Bouchard, pair from Dry Saddle, McDavid is four assists. So, um, yeah, they're not slumping. might not be slumping. They're not slumping in Washington okay. DC. Never mind. Rescind the trade offer. Uh, it's Pat and Wes. We're underway. And whether you're a fan of sports or a fan of great deals, our pals over at 403 Local, that's the place to be. Every time the local hockey heroes hit the ice, you get the game day special. We're, we've been telling you about it all week long. What's the game day special, home or road? It's two beers and a pizza for just 20 bucks on Sundays. You've got all kinds of NFL action. You can watch the football on the wall-to-wall big screens at 403 Local. They've got 50-cent wings and happy hour all day on Sundays. They also do those 50-cent wings on Wednesday. Mondays, dry ribs, just 5 bucks a pound. They also have happy hour daily from 3 till 6 p.m. They've got lunch specials weekdays from 11.30 till 2.30. And don't forget, as we approach Christmas party season, 403 Local available for private functions. Visit 403 Local in Canyon Meadows and at 403local.com. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's Hockey Station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time now for the Daily Flames Roundtable on this Friday. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024. It's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson along with you. And now the voice of the Calgary Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames roundtable. And first of all, have to give credit to Wes Gilbertson, who is the uh, architect of this question. Um, But it's a good question. So when Martin Pospisil was sent to the American League just before the start of the season. He was put on waivers. Because he was put on waivers and cleared, you then have a 30-day on the NHL roster window or 
10 game window where you do not need to clear waivers again if you're sent to the American Hockey League. Well, Friday night in Dallas will be the 10th game for Martin Pospisil, which means when he plays at American Airlines Center, he will become waiver eligible again. But I think, Wes, it's a pretty good indication that he's uh, here for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think uh, he can get a place in Calgary, which he already has because he's been playing for the Wranglers. But absolutely, you you have so many teams that are looking for the the kind of combination of skill and tenacity that Martin Pospisil can bring. And if he goes on waivers, especially the way he's been playing lately, he's just not clearing. So, gents, now that we know that he's here for the foreseeable future with him playing in his 10th NHL game here Friday night, how how do we uh, kind of evaluate or, or reflect on how Martin Pospisil has kind of changed and impacted this group? Well, the one thing I would say about uh, Martin Pospisil or any rookie is we should be careful not to jump to a conclusion too soon. I probably did it with Matt Coronado myself. You know, when he got off to a great start in the preseason and a pretty good start in the regular season, I thought, and I might've even said, maybe this guy can uh, put himself in the Calder trophy conversation. Well, not that much uh, later, he ends up getting sent down to the Calgary Wranglers. So uh, it looks like Martin Pospisil has the type of game that can translate in different ways at the NHL level, which I think gives him a better chance to stay with the Calgary Flames. And you know, he's a little bit older at 24, uh, so he's a bit more experienced, a bit more mature. But I like the fact that he can contribute offensively, but when he's not scoring goals and producing points, he can still be an impactful player because he's got good feet, uh, he's got good size, gets in on the forecheck and bangs and crashes and you can use him on the power play, so he's a pretty versatile guy as well. So you know, he's been a, a really nice addition. And how has he changed the team? Well, I think he's uh, created some uh, more internal competition. I mean, Matt Coronado, as I said, is down in the AHL. And you, you look at what's happening at the NHL level, Martin Pospisil isn't being healthy scratched. It's guys like Adam Rzitska and Walker Dewar who are sitting out games. So I think he's created that internal competition that all teams want to have and that the Flames have had with the emergence of some other young players this season. Unlike Coronado and even Connor Zary, who is waiver exempt at this point in his career, like this is why 10 is such a significant milestone for Martin Pospisil because yeah. it it cements him and and he's done a good job. Does that mean he won't ever come out of the lineup? No. Does that mean if his performance dips that they could try to sneak him through? I guess it doesn't mean that they can't, but we're talking about a guy who in 10 games has proven like, you're going to have to keep me here. And I think the way that he's sort of changed the complexion and I'll put him and, and Connor Zary lumped together for this answer. Like we were talking in preseason about how the Calgary Flames <clears throat> needed Dylan Dubé and Adam Ruzicka to prove they could be top nine forwards, that the depth was going to hinge on that. Well, those two guys, I don't think, have shown that so far this season, that they can consistently be effective as top nine guys, but Zary and Pospisil have. And so now you have more forward depth than you had several weeks ago, thanks to the emergence of these two guys. I, I think Martin Pospisil and 
maybe I'm biased because there there's so many interesting things to write about about Martin, but I, I truly think he's been one of the sort of best stories in the NHL. He's certainly been the best story for the Flames over the past few weeks. Yeah, it's uh, I I think what what I would say in terms of how he's changed and impacted things is that uh, first of all. I think we're starting to see it a little bit more each and every game. Now that he's nine games in, um, he he gets under the skin of other teams. I think it was on display most when, yeah, you know, he could have avoided UC Saros. Yeah. Probably could have avoided him. Didn't take a penalty there. Put himself like that was very much on the edge. I think Nashville had every right to be upset with him. And he knew exactly what he was doing. And he also drew a penalty because five seconds later, Jeremy Lozon went and kind of judo tossed him to the ground. And that was a tripping call. And so you're like, okay, yeah, this guy. And, and we saw it in the Vancouver game. He ran Quinn Hughes and he bowled JT Miller over into the, uh, into the opposing net. Like you're like, okay, yeah, this, uh, there's definitely some, uh, there's definitely some edge. And I don't know if the flames have anybody that, walks the line as carefully or walks the line as um, or goes over the line as, as much as possible does. And I say that in a good way. He just brings some grease to the group, brings a little, everybody always goes back to Billy Neiman and, and uh, Hey, brings a little grease to the group. You're like, never quite sure how he's going to get under the skin of the other team, but he does. So that's a good thing. That's been an addition. He's been able to add some offense. We've seen him on the power play. We've seen him out there in overtimes. He's just, he, I think the biggest thing on top of that, and and I think more so than the edge, I just wanted to put that in there. Yeah, he's added more competition to this group. He's made life more difficult on other players who might have thought that they were regular guys. And more competition means just a higher level from everybody. So that's good news. Yeah, and the Flames aren't an overly physical team. So I do think that that edge or that grease that he's brought has been really important for the group. And if you look at his numbers, since he made his NHL debut back on November 4th, he leads all rookies in the league in hits. He's got 25 hits. So I talked about his feet. I talked about his size. He's also got a great motor and gets in there on the forecheck. And I think he's one of the reasons why that line has been so successful with uh, Nazem Kadri and when uh, healthy and feeling good, Connor Zeri. So he's been a, a really pleasant surprise. And the reason I say he's been a surprise is because, quite frankly, guys, I didn't know a lot about him. Even though this is his fifth season with the Flames organization, he only played in 107 games in his first four years as a member of the Stockton Heat and the Calgary Wranglers because he was injured more often than he was healthy. He missed more games than he played in. So I don't think many people had much of a book on Martin Pospisil, but uh, the more we learn about him, uh, I shouldn't speak for everybody else, but the more I learn about him, the more I like him. I'll just add really quick because you're right. 25 hits leads rookies since he was called up. It also puts him fourth among flames for the entire season. Mm -hmm. And he didn't play the yeah. first 10 games. Yeah. And, and I do think that, and I, I love the way Pat put it. I, I do think that Greece gives you a guy that you can move around your lineup. He's been a nice fit so far with, with Zeri and Kadri, but he gives you a guy you can move around when you've got a line that maybe needs a little bit of oomph, a little bit of spark. I think there's some versatility there too. Yep.
Derek Wills, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg along with you on your Daily Flames roundtable. I like Todd Button earlier this week when he joined us as well. When he said, he's like, yeah, when we first saw him, he probably hurt himself by taking all those penalties. And uh, we knew there was some skill there, but you know, maybe... Maybe had uh, he not taken as many penalties in his first year in the USHL, maybe he would have gotten drafted higher. Right. Because just didn't get an opportunity to see him as much. Thought that was really interesting as well. Um, guys, Noah Hannafin scored the only meaningful goal Wednesday in Nashville. He tied the game early in the first period as he snuck in from the blue line and took a nice pass from Andrew Mangiapane. Now four goals on the season for Noah Hannafin. And we've talked a lot about the team's four pending unrestricted free agents. And so when I ask this question, it's not just talking about trade, just overall of the four pending UFAs, fair to say that Noah is the one who has kind of upped his value the most since the season began. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure he's worth the most. I'd probably put him second to Elias Lindholm, although I could be wrong. Uh, Teams love to acquire top four defensemen if they consider themselves to be Stanley Cup contenders. And uh, I think it's safe to say that uh, Noah Hannafin would be a top four defender on every team in this league. So uh, he's, uh, if he gets traded, going to get the Flames a lot in return. For me, it would have to be a first-round pick and probably an NHL-ready player, a younger player, or uh, a top prospect. It would have to be a package uh, of two or three assets coming back the other way for me to think about moving Noah Hannafin. But uh, I didn't think he got off to the greatest start this season, guys. And even offensively, no goals in the first 10 games, but he's got four goals in nine games since then. And I don't think it's a coincidence that his game has improved and you might even say has improved dramatically since he was put back on a pairing with Chris Tanev. And if I was a team calling Craig Conroy, trying to pry a couple of defensemen out of Calgary, I would probably try to trade for that second pairing of Hannafin and Tanev. If I could ever get those two guys together, uh, that would be an unbelievable ad if that's the direction the Flames decide to go in. And uh, I'm sure there would be plenty of teams out there that uh, would love to get their hands on those two guys and uh, just bring in a pairing as a whole. But I, I do think that he probably has helped his value the most. Lynn Tomes, uh, unless he really fell off a cliff, was always going to be really high as uh, a guy who can be, well, he's the first line centerman on the Flames. I would say a top two centerman on just about every team in this league, uh, a 200-foot player who can help you in all situations. But Hannafin, for me, would be number two on that list, and he's still relatively young. Despite his massive amount of NHL experience, he's only 26 years old. So you could argue that he should continue to get better uh, as he's into the prime of his career now. So, yeah, I really like uh, the way he's playing right now. And, hey, Flames need some offense from their defense. And, you know, with uh, four goals in the season, uh, Hannafin certainly has provided with them with them uh, with some of that. I can't remember exactly where the report came from. I think it might have been Elliot Friedman reporting that the the numbers that Hannafin was talking contract extension and we're led to believe something was relatively close with the flames before both sides maybe backed off a a little bit but i think the number was in the sevens per season and i gotta be honest guys i my reaction to that report at first was geez that that seems like a high salary cap hit you know that that was probably a little more than i would have been trying to get noah hannafin locked up for it and yet the way he's producing of late especially he is 
going to get over 7 million from somebody this summer. Yep. I, uh, I think he would be the one that has boosted his stock period contract. I, I don't think, I don't think Lindholm's trade value has taken a hit, but I sure think that that $9 million that people were talking about, I don't know how comfortable a lot of people are at that dollar figure with the way the last couple seasons have gone. I mean, I think Lindholm's a hell of a player, but how comfortable are you at a $9 million cap hit? I don't know. Um, I don't know if Zadorov has um, upped his cause. I think Tanev is what Tanev is. I don't think he's hurt it, but I don't think it's it's raised. Whereas with Hannafin, yeah, I think that he has done a nice job of just continuing to up his value, whether it's a contract here, whether it's a contract in the summer with another team, or whether it's a trade. So the way he's played, the minutes he's played, he's number two on the team in average ice time behind Rasmus Anderson. He's involved again offensively. Of the four, I think he's the only one that has actually boosted his value with what he's done on the ice. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Uh, I mean, earlier in the season, I would have said that Nikita Zadorov had boosted his value, but I don't think he's been the same player since the yeah. trade request came out. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. I mean, Lindholm's been okay by his standards, but uh, I think we all believe he can be even better than he's been Uh to this point in the season, although I do think that uh, much like Jonathan Huberdeau and Rasmus Anderson, he's one of the Flames' top players who does appear to have turned a corner. So it will be interesting to see what road the Flames decide to go down here. But Pat, to your point, if uh, if they could keep one or two of these guys, Noah Hannafin would certainly be one of the guys that I'd like to keep. The the point you made earlier, Wilsey, uh, about at 26, Noah Hannafin is a guy who potentially is still improving like might not have hit his peak as an nhl or I, I think the offense helps peak team's curiosity that that might be the case right if noah hannafin can continue to score a, at a relatively you know productive clip if, he's not going to be a guy who piles up goals but he's got four already he's only been in double digits twice in his career both times finishing with 10 like if he can get past that number I think that helps teams look at it and go, geez, maybe maybe there is more there. Usually when a guy's played 600 and some games, mm-hmm. you kind of think you have a finished product, but if the offense continues to come, you, you'd look at Noah Hannafin and say, hmm, maybe, maybe there is even a little bit of room for growth on the offensive side of it. Yeah. 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 And with the way he skates, guys, I think he will probably age pretty well. Absolutely. Yep. Yep, he's uh, already at some pretty impressive milestones for a guy who doesn't turn 27 for a couple more months here. So. Like ourselves aging well, I would say, yeah, boys. Like, like uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're aging like a ham sandwich. Uh, fine wine. Boy. Left out fine in the wine. sun for two and a half. Fine wine. That's how we're aging. Uh, thank you, Wills. See you in a bit. Okay, see you soon. He is Derek Wills. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. That's your Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024 as we start to wrap things up this hour on Flames Talk. It's uh, Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson along with you as well.
This text comes in and says, better question you should have asked Derek. Is he hoping for a four-letter bomb from the referees again? It's almost like a Pat and Randy relationship. Well, if you're wondering what that's all about, Wes, I don't know if you knew this or not, but our audio feed from uh, Nashville on Wednesday after the Mackenzie Weger road hockey uh, stick throw. Oh, was the mic hot? The official forgot to turn off his mic. So oh, it was hot. And so, like, we were hearing lots of things. It was kind of interesting at first. You're like, hey, uh, so uh, so we got him over there. We got to go get another guy over there. We, he's got to take the penalty shot. You're like, okay, this is actually pretty interesting to be hearing. And then as it went on, I was like, oh, no. I, you know, these officials, they don't <laughs> always have the cleanest mouths. They're, you know, right in the, um, they're in the middle of a hockey game. They're going to be speaking the same way right? the players and the coaches are. And you're like, oh, no, this is... Um, this has the potential to go very wrong. And? And, uh, yeah, it um, went very wrong. Actually, you know what? Cam has put it in here. Just, uh, just, just this was a little bit of Wednesday's action. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to do it for CRTC hey, guidelines. I tried to get you to throw it out. Okay, guys, just 4.8 seconds left. Let's just call yeah. it a night here. <laughs> Okay, we uh, let's just kill the feed. I'm from just gonna Why don't we just down a little bit? <laughs> oh, there you go. Brent Cron also says this. Both you guys. Uh, I was listening live that day. Almost drove off the road. I was laughing so hard. There were many people who were listening that day. Pat, Wes, Cam, and Taylor are producers. That'll do it this hour. That's the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.